Welcome to the Home Girl Factor podcast. I am your host, Damaris Acevedo. This podcast is a pathway to open and honest conversations with women in all walks of life about being a first-generational individual in America and discussing the challenges and difficulties faced growing up in a multicultural home. We will also go into depth in discussing the challenges faced when raised in a bilingual home and to raise awareness on how delicate our experiences are in our earlier years and how they can change the direction of our lives. This podcast is for anyone that loves to hear stories and learn how to grow and expand your quality of life by learning from others' experiences. These conversations are from personal experiences of the speakers and in no shape or form are recommendations or replacing professional advice. Enjoy! Thank you for joining me today. My guest today is Holly Burby. Holly is a mentor and a coach for parents of teens and young adults and an expert in emotional intelligence, relationships, mindfulness, and leadership. After retiring from a 10-year teaching career in 2014, Holly opened up her coaching and consulting practice where through her coaching, social media content, online courses, and podcasts, She has helped thousands of people boost their emotional intelligence by learning the self-awareness habits, communication skills, and navigation tools needed to overcome life's challenges and create the life that they want. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and have this conversation with me. Uh, I love the work that you're doing with teens specifically and... um, you know, teens need so much guidance, uh, and your work is important and inspiring to me. Thank you. Yeah, I really, I'm enjoying it immensely, and I'm excited to talk about it and mm-hmm. dig into anything you want to. So yes, yes, go. So, yeah, yeah. So today, I want to talk to uh, you know to our audience about child and a childhood experience, uh, and how they're so impactful in our future and our lives. Uh, and uh, we've all had some type of experience that has been impactful, right? But, um, you know, sometimes we are afraid to talk about it, you know, and this is why I kind of feel like this is such an important place for people to come and talk about their experiences and share and help others in their journey, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Which childhood experience would you like to share that has uh, made a great impact in your adult life? I think that I have two in mind. They both are connected to my parents' divorce, but I think what's unique about it is I had one perspective growing up, and then someone said something to me about five years ago that changed my entire perspective of it. So, but the root of it is is likely my parents' divorce. That was very significant growing up. Okay. All right. And what would you say, like, what, what part of that experience has affected you as an adult? Yeah. So, I mean, I can give some, some backstory essentially. So I'm 43 years old as we're recording this and my parents were married for 15 years before they had me. And, um, I was born in, in 79. My brother was born a couple of years after I was, and my parents got a divorce when I was three years old and my brother was one. So I grew up being raised with my mom, saw dad on the weekend, but I never knew my parents together. And 
if you had asked 20 year old me, 25, 30 year old me, how that impacted my life, I would have told you that my mom made me her surrogate husband, that my mother, when my dad left, uh, my mother relied so much on me as her only daughter and her oldest child uh-huh. to be her partner, confidant, her source of joy. Um, I think in my early 30s, I had an idea that there was some codependent behavior there, meaning that I felt that my mom's happiness was my responsibility. Um, and I knew that in my early 30s. But in, in at that point in time, I just thought to myself, okay, my parents split and my focus was on how seemingly over overbearing and controlling my mother was all the way up through my mid to late twenties. I just felt like she never let up. And I didn't really give, put that responsibility on my dad, that accountability on my dad. And my mom would get upset about it. And my dad ended up remarrying my mother never did and the perspective shift which happened in a few years ago I was working with a coach a relationship coach they're actually a married couple and they said to me well did your dad and your stepmom ever offer to have you go live with them and I said well yeah they would promise me that all the time you know my dad spent time with me and he loved me and this and that and my counselors, my coaches said to me, you know, Holly, did you ever consider that the fact that they made you a promise that they were going to come and scoop you up and rescue you? Mm. And they would promise that to you over and over and over again. And they never followed through. How do you think that impacted your first marriage? How do you think that impacts your dating life now? And Damaris, it was just this (laughs) real aha moment of, oh, wow, I really have been, in a sense, waiting for someone to rescue me, even though I was always an independent person, I had yeah. my career, I had my life. So those those perspectives really allowed me to, okay, the accountability now is on both of my parents, not just one or the yeah. other. Yeah, that was a lot of pressure that you had at such a young age, you know, um, from your mom's side, you know, making you, giving you all these responsibilities, you know, I, and that has to be hard for a child. It's tremendous. And, and in my profession now as a, as a coach and having worked with people now for over 20 years, I think something that I've learned is that the most significant life-changing moments for human beings typically happens between the ages of seven years old and 11. Our core incidents in our life typically happen there. That's not to say that people cannot go through significant moments or trauma when they're older, that we absolutely do. But the, the, the beliefs that we carry that limit us come from an event when we're younger. And I think one of my beliefs was no one's coming to help me. Wow. I have to do this all on my own. Wow. No one's really going to have my back. It's just about making me do what they want me to do. (laughs) It's all about making them them happy, them safe, them secure. If they're upset, it's my responsibility to make sure they're happy again. Those were all the beliefs I carried as a kid because of what was happening. Yeah. I can see how that could impact your relationships now because you're having, you know, you have all these underlying uh, events 
that led you to believe that you're the fixer, you know? So now mm-hmm. you, which, which comes to my next question, would you say that that experience is what's leading you to work and helping others today? That's a good question. I think that because I grew up in a different type of family, some people would say it's a broken family, divorced family. Some people would say, oh, divorce is normal. Whatever it gets labeled by different people. Mm-hmm. I think I was on an unknowing pursuit and then eventually a conscious pursuit of how do I help families heal? What could we yeah. have known as a family that would have made my relationship with my mother better, that could have helped her to heal as a woman? that could have helped my brother and I to communicate better. And that passion started in me, again, unknowingly, but I was super interested just in how people get along, don't get along. And that sparked when I was a senior in college and it just caught fire from there and has been going ever since. I can see why you became a teacher. (laughs) You wanted to (laughs) help people. (laughs) You know what? And I think too, I... I always appreciated growing up the role that teachers played in my life because school was my, st- my stable place. Mm-hmm. It's not that I was unsafe at home. So I won't say that I was, un- you know, an un- a safe place was at school, although that's the case for many young people. Um, but for me, school was my place where I felt valued. I felt accomplished. I had teachers who were so great about speaking over me and and speaking into me hope and optimism and it was such a stark contrast to the house that I grew up in where my mother was under constant pressure um, and immense stress you know I didn't really get to know my mother as a woman until many many years later yeah um, even now so I think yes my teachers having that impact on my life um, growing up was some push for me to go toward this. And then, and also I think that, I think that teaching has always been a gift of mine. I've always been a talker. So that was one thing. Um, But lately I'm learning as well, especially after my ADHD diagnosis, that the way that my brain is set up actually makes me very talented at explaining things. Yes. I believe that. I hear you. I believe that. I've heard you speak so many times and obviously the audience doesn't know that we met many, many years ago. I did your hair for a while. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. this is the um, gift that I feel like I have all these amazing people that I have come across and they're kind of coming back to me, like, you know, Mm -hmm. to have these conversations. Teenage years are really, really scary because that's when you're kind of like finding yourself too. Mm -hmm. Um, So that whole thing with mindfulness that you do, does that incorporate like some type of meditation there's so I that's a good question and I think that mindfulness is one piece of the puzzle that is called emotional intelligence so emotional intelligence means how self-aware are we meaning how much can we or our young people look at what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? What are my emotions? Can we label them? Do we have the vocabulary to label how we feel? Mm -hmm. Emotional intelligence is also our social awareness. You know, do we get along with others? Are we awkward? Are we intro or extroverted? 
social awareness is also how we communicate, um, how, if we're empathetic. Mm-hmm. And so within emotional intelligence, there's different tools in the toolbox that we can use mm-hmm. to be mindful. So mindful essentially is that self-awareness part of what is in my mind mm-hmm. and also what's in my body, what's in my emotions. Um, and so meditation is a tool in the toolbox that when a person can simply, I just tell people meditation is just breathing with your eyes closed. Mm-hmm. I, when I teach it, I, I don't complicate it more than that because the, the, the goal of meditation is to slow down the body and the mind. That's really all it is. And breathing by just simply without overcomplicating it simply means that we're sitting and breathing with our eyes closed. And the purpose of closing the eyes is to turn off our senses as much as possible. So I'm not looking anything, getting distracted. I'm trying not to hear things around me or touching, you know, just sitting still, closing the eyes, turning off the sensory so that we have the ability to focus inward. And the purpose of the breathing is to give our brain something to do. So it's not super boring and awful. Breathing also will physiologically slow down our heart rate Mm -hmm. and that calms the body. So between turning off our senses and quieting the body, it's in those really still moments that our creativity can go through the roof answers to problems we're having show up. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, even yeah, when it, done imperfectly. Yeah. Well, and, and meditation is a practice, so it's, it's never going to be perfect. You're going to grow with meditation as you go. My last episode specifically, I, I talk about, uh, mindful meditation and meditation. Uh, and if I knew then what I know now, how I would have incorporated that into my life. And that's definitely something um, that has been uh, very uh, impactful in my life right now. Now, as we're coming to the end of our interview, um, what advice would you give our listeners today when it comes to our teenagers, especially in the world we're living today with so many influences? Ooh, I would say, first of all, it's so important for us to listen to their perspective instead of assume their perspective Mm -hmm. because they're not the only ones that have all the influences we are also in this age of parenting bombarded with numerous influences as well that tell us how our teens and young adults should be acting the choices they should be making what they should be avoiding and I think it's so easy to get wrapped up in getting schooled on, oh, your kids mm-hmm. should be doing this, when rather starting to create a dialogue with your kid and your teenager about, well, what's your take on it? What's yeah. your perspective on it? And practicing in those conversations, bringing emotional and psychological safety to the table. And what I mean by that is noticing when we want to judge it, fix mm-hmm. it, correct it, tell them it's wrong. Um, Because the more we can just purely listen and ask questions without interrupting, they're going to keep coming back and opening up to us more and more and more, because they know they are emotionally and psychologically safe with us. And 
that we are hearing them not only as our kids, but as people as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so much fun talking to you and catching up with you. I am going to put a link in the show notes where they can find you and all of your work that you're doing and courses. Really appreciate you having me. Truly, truly. Very exciting. Yes. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. All right, my friend. Bye. Thank you for joining me today and please rate and comment on this episode. I greatly appreciate your input. I hope to see you next time.